House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Well, welcome back into the House of Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren, Mr. David North Martino. Ah, the uh, full name, it's back. That means I'm going to be bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I, you, you put pictures of the concert you were at. Yes. Yeah. To see the new kids' mixtape tour. Yeah. yeah. Did they lip sync? <laughs> that was an old allegation. Yeah, that's why I was wondering. Did, I, did they? Not that I could tell. No, you could tell that they, you know, it didn't hit every note. Oh, so they were singing out of tune. A little bit, but, you know, it still works. Well, that's good. And, and it's a so, show. I, I think I'll put it in my top five. Wow! For, for concerts, because it was fun. Better it than was fun. better than Metallica and Motley Crue and all that. Uh, Motley Crue would probably be my top. <laughs> Doctor Feelgood tour. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but Rick Astley played too. Yeah, he did. He Rick rolled us. It was great. Well, that's great. No. Yeah, he did a few songs. Yeah, and and uh, salt and pepper, salt and, and pepper, uh, non vogue. Wow, yeah. geez, it was like all coming back. The nineties is all over again. Yeah, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, it's like being in a time machine. Yeah, I felt young again. Yeah, just keep <laughs> stay away from the mirror, and you won't. I hear you know you know how you can stay young. Huh? Um, well, you you're not getting enough sleep. You've got to sleep yeah. proper. So what, what they say is you've got to start uh, now the new rage on TikTok is to put tape over your mouth <laughs> and breathe through your nose, okay? And Sounds dangerous. <laughs> well, it is for me. I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it at night. Plus, I can't have tape all over my mouth. What are they crazy? What people won't do, you know, <laughs> taping up their eyelids and their face and their mouth and just to you look take, pretty. Make a video on, on TikTok and just uh, put it out there. Yeah, actually, I should. One of you. <laughs> I'm too dangerous for TikTok. Oh, right. They took one. They took one of my my uh, videos down. So did you quit? No, I thought yeah. about it. Thought about oh. it for about you know a good twenty minutes while I was seething. Well, it's just. But I'm just like, ah, I'll just wait for now. You know? you know, you just do another one. Too dangerous. Dangerous acts. Well, yeah, you are. Everybody <laughs> see you live. Dangerous. That's dangerous. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Dangerous. Yeah. Well, it was. It, it triggered me. Yes, exactly. I'm the one. I had to complain when I saw it. I was triggered, so I let them know. Yeah, they, they I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad I wouldn't want to trigger you, Al. Yeah, no, because I was shaking for a day. <laughs> Too dangerous for TikTok. Yeah. Now, you know, speaking of triggering, now, so we've got, a, um, I think, a horror story here. Hmm. And it's called Grolar, uh, half grizzly, half polar bear. So, Mr. Thorsten Mesh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Yeah, Thorsten. So um, this is uh, quite a story. So where did you get the idea of Growler? Like, is it? I, I guess that's a real, a real animal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it started out. Uh, I think I just heard about that. That is a real animal, and then it lingered on until I came across uh, what is it called? The liger, like half lion, half tiger. And those species or those mix uh, grew taller than each own animal. So, and then I was like, what if that happens to a growler, right? Like that 
grows bigger than either a polar bear or a grizzly. And I felt like that could be a story. And since they, the number of them uh, is growing since the last years due to, they say, climate change, uh, that uh, the grizzlies can go higher and the polar bears, they meet more often. And that's why they are more growlers. I thought maybe I have a story there. So, so who's the tougher one, the grizzly or the polar? <laughs> like a... <laughs> The 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 inner polar bear. I, I think I didn't want to meet either one, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, definitely not the mix of. Yeah. Well, I wonder. That's funny because you know we have um um up um on my house up in Kelowna we have these uh, um wolves and coyotes and they're mixing. Oh. Oh wow! And they have a really big wolf body, and they have a real small, tiny coyote head. That's how you can tell. Uh, but we had a couple of uh, <laughs> visitors that were from Germany that work with animals and uh, scientists, so they're not like pet care; they're scientists. And they said that uh, a lot of times, when these animals mix, when they have their child, if it's a female, it can't uh, get pregnant; it's sterile. So that's why it only grows so far, so fast. It takes a long time for a uh, new species like that to really catch on. So it's funny. I wonder if it's the same with the growlers or if they uh, don't have that. It's interesting. I, I did, the, of course, like a lot of research uh, before riding and doing the riding. I haven't come across the, any fact that said uh, that a growler uh, can't uh, procreate. Uh, I think that they they are fine doing that. Well, they just look. Yeah, yeah. They have and they have often these dark eyes from a grizzly, and that outside it's a little lighter fur, so they they look kind of creepy too. Yeah. Well, you'll have to get a couple and put it in your house, and then see. <laughs> have them breed, and they have a child, and see how it goes. You know, um, but be careful what you feed them. Like don't don't feed them your hand or anything. You know. Put it in the dish and run. Um, so, so you got a growler, and so how do you write a story around something like that? Is this just flat out horror, or is there a lot more suspense in this? Yeah. So, I mean, with the original idea, as I said, like, okay, there, there should be a story in there, of course. Then, uh, for me, always the next thing: how do I? Uh, what kind of? What, who's the protagonist? Um, and um, I chose in my my novel. Uh, John, um, who who works in a gold mining camp, um, and he has to bring his wife and his young boy there too, up in the Yukon, and uh, that's where the growler gets hungry and and visits that camp, and uh, they are really remote. Um, and for me, it was uh, an idea when I mentioned the climate change. Maybe there's an envi environmental thriller in there. Uh, where I was like, okay, they meet because of climate change or at least growing temperature, rising temperatures. Um, what is up there? Okay, there's oil, right? Oil exploitation. And, uh, but the other thing is gold. And, uh, I, I thought I never had anything to do with that. <laughs> um, a lot of gold. And that was a nice research as well. But it thematically it uh, jived, I found. And then I took it from there. Well, did you have to take um, artistic liberties with, uh, you know, describing the growler and creating that as, as kind of a monstrous character, or were you able to just go by the scientific evidence? 
I took it a step further. So for me, in my case, I said, okay, this beast is going to be bigger, yeah, and um, uh, than than a polar bear and a, a grizzly bear. Uh, but beside that, I like I, I prefer to go with the science, like how the senses work and um, what they, you know, the smell and everything. And that's why I ended up actually having two perspectives: uh, the the perspective of John and the perspective of the growler. Uh, I so far had really good feedback by readers; they really liked that, and m- many wanted to have more of that. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So you got into the mind of the growler. You were the growler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, it is quite also something I've never done before, like from the point of view of an animal. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I must say, I truly enjoyed it, and I kind of I hit the brakes because I didn't want it to do like a, a, an animal novel from the point of view. And uh, but certain scenes just just let they wanted to be. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you get into a role of something like that as opposed to a character, like a character's in your mind mm-hmm. or whatever? So do you like dress up like a bear and go out in the woods and talk to people? Or? <laughs> um, uh, I, I also, I, you know, we are on, on radio, audio, podcasts, etc. I, I'm a very, I'm an audio person, for example, and this is a different sense than writing itself. And um, an animal, uh, you can work better with the senses and what they sense and um, the instincts. And that's kind of what led uh, the perspective of the growler. So I focused more on smells, for example, and, uh, and, and went along that route. And I, I really enjoy that, by the way. It's as if uh, I adapted... Um, for public radio, also novels as a as a radio play for German uh, um, uh, public radio, and I, I just love that process uh, of thinking in different senses. Wow! So, uh, does the growler have uh, special powers, or is there something um, about them that uh, humans should be scared of? Um, besides being very hangry yeah and <laughs> well uh, that could be like john's wife can be very angry too right? <laughs> I mean, so but but what what more or or is the wife yeah. tougher than the growler <laughs> <laughs> maybe they can have a standoff yeah. or something with you <laughs> um I, I i thought by the by the sheer size by being let's say 50% or 60% bigger than the original animal uh it, it sort of gave him a superpower there, and I didn't want to extend too much on that. And uh, um, I, I felt like I, I like to keep it real, as real as possible, or work in the, with reality in the realm of fiction as much as I can. And um, I, I find it almost then more creepy and more horror, actually, the closer it is to reality rather than, say, a vampire. Right. Right, right. Well, you could have made him the bionic roller. <laughs> That's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, he eats some, some uh, you know, radiated meat, and then he, he starts seeing for miles and jump and all this. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, make him stronger. Um, well, that's interesting. This kind of reminds me of something I would get out of a sci-fi horror um, from the 50s and 60s. You know what I mean? 
I it it I must say, and I can totally live with that. Uh, often compared to Stephen King, like people think of Cujo. Um, as research, I also uh, read uh, Jaws, right, the, the novel. So I read a lot of those uh, uh, animal horror yeah. books, and uh, I, I just love research too, right? Like I really immerse myself into that. All the gold mining camp. I did not know what kind of digger and dump trucks they need, and. So that was, and what weapons I'm not into. So, but I read that all up and it's part of the interest. Sometimes it ruins my, my, my Google search history and I get weird yeah. advertisements. Yeah. I, I, you're probably flagged, flagged by the FBI or something. Eh? Oh. Yeah. At those times, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, <laughs> that, uh, uh, when I go into detail, like what, what kind of rifle would you take to the, yeah. Camp, right? <laughs> yeah, to the baseball game, you know? And then, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, whoops. So yeah, you uh, should try to fly <laughs> freeze. Um, but are you worried about like you, so you're kind of involved climate change and, and, you know, it's a controversial topic, especially in, yeah. in America and stuff. You know, a lot of people still think it's not real. And, and so you have all of this stuff going on. Do you, do you worry about being too controversial or touching off on something that might get you a little bit backlash? <laughs> um, when I decide, I, like I was about 23 when I decided that I, uh, kind of want to work to buy myself time to write and to be an artist. Um, for me, it was always, I have to write what I have to write and I don't, otherwise I could go into advertisement. That's what, what the saying is, because like if you juggle with words uh, um, and with fantasy, if you want to make more money, you go into advertisement. And some of my colleagues did, so <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always the best idea. I don't want to, that's why I also... You know, I is, is about climate change. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm not like uh, putting the flag out. It is so. It's just the fact is that the temperature is rising. I think I kind of phrased that before too, like that. Um, and um, does it bring maybe bring some attention to it? But I think the entertainment part of a horror novel, based on that, uh, based on a consequence on a direct, con measurable, countable consequence that is in the foreground. Yeah. Do you consider this um, more horror or sci-fi or where, how do you, how would you describe this? Uh, I go with a horror thriller because it is, uh, it, it is horror because of the animal horror, right? Like that genre is in there. Yeah. Um, but the, tension is really drawn out and also then you know you follow around the young boy that wanders off into the forest right and then finds stuff and brings it home and i'm not going into details and you know you get those hints as a reader uh, uh i i kind of push the 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 arrival after the first incidents of the growler like to 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 in order to to raise the the, the tension in the reader and as a writer as well. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be bought writing my own novel. <laughs> well, with with your human characters, um, how do you experience them? Do you, do you have an inner monologue? Um, can you hear the dialogue in your mind as you're as you're creating these characters? Do you do you see the story more as a film in your mind? How, how does that work for you? Yeah, that goes into how I. So for me, it always it takes at least two years before I start a novel, after I have the initial idea. So at least two years. And it goes up to 18 years. And that is more than once happened in the past. That it, it, I just 
start writing, when I do hear their voice, uh, their attitude, I see the attitude, I hear the narration voice uh, who's narrating the, the novel, who's telling the story, um, and uh, and where are they in their lives? That is, I, I put a lot of thoughts into that because I don't want to just start writing. I never had the luxury of just starting a novel and see where it goes. Um, that would be for me uh, too much risk to waste my time, right? Uh, yeah. I have so many ideas that I, at one point, I always grab the the most concrete, best developed and most important idea. And that's what I write. So when you when you uh, write this book, um, what is it you hope the reader will take away from the book? What is it you want to do to that reader? First and foremost, I always want to, I call it giving a hand, you know, reaching out to a reader and uh, not just having like a, I don't know, like some some abstract going on. I'm, I'm more like uh, with the feet to the ground and it should be first and foremost the story you like to read. And and maybe, yeah, en passant, there might be the idea, uh, is, do I inform myself? Is there climate change or who is saying what and, and what are the numbers or not? And, uh, and maybe just, uh, because it's about animals, uh, as well. Um, and what are we gonna, what are we doing? Is that uh, are certain things important? But I wouldn't take it too, too esoteric in a way. It's just like, first and foremost, this is a horror story an entertainment book. Wow. What were your influences for, for, for writing horror? I, I, I started reading really, really young. Uh, I grew up basically on comics first. Then I went to school. I learned reading. Then I read all the comics again that I could just look at. <laughs> and uh, by, by, by fourth grade, I discovered the Pulp Fiction novels. And those were back then in the Cold War. They were war novels. So I, I read those for two years, and then I discovered uh, uh, John Sinclair was a horror pulp fiction, uh, placed in England, but uh, written by Germans, as far as I know. But as a kid, you're impressed, and you read all those. And then in the advertisement, there was this guy called Stephen King with his new book, Christine. And uh, <laughs> after I read Christine, I uh, read all Stephen King books. And uh, um, by the age of 15, I had read his books and I read with age of 15, uh, the Godfather. And after that, there was no going back to, 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 uh, other novels. And so it was contemporary fiction or good horror or thrillers. That is kind of how I grew up. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what, it's always, um, a tough move to actually decide to write and uh, try to make money at it and stuff. What, what was it that, um, made you want to do that yeah i'm uh it's a I, th I always say it's a when i especially when i talk to to young adults and to teens or to young young adults um is i i came from a family uh yeah i was loved and you know i got all the books i wanted you know what is great when you have that interest as a boy <laughs> and uh but there was no artist in there and there was nobody in there that was self-employed you know, what all plays into becoming an artist, right? You try to be self-employed at one point. Yeah. And um, so for me, that was not on the radar. Although I was already writing, I started writing like around 15 as well. Um, 
but it was like I gave it to my friends, right? And they gave it graded back. You know, I got a C minus and D pluses and so on for my short stories. And I I continued to the I I, I worked three years in a public health insurance, like full time. Um, but it didn't it just didn't I, I didn't feel good. The point of I would say almost self destructive behavior. And then I said, I need a break from, from everything. And then I tried to go to university. And then I hit the point where it was like, okay, now I have to work to go to university and, and meet people and, and all, this other, all this other jazz. And, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, okay, if I work for something, then I want to work so I can write. And then it dawned on me that was what I was missing during those three years of public health insurance, what in itself is a great job. But just for me doing something else all day, uh, I, I couldn't imagine. And, um, and then I made the conscious decision uh, and, and, and uh, with the impression that I'd probably never be able to actually make a living as an artist because there's illusion, right? Yeah. So, and yeah, no, yeah. And I, I knew that, right? So and then I I was 23 and then I was 38. So 15 years later, I made a living. Uh, but before that was 15 years of uh, you know the odd jobs and then the jobs got closer. I worked also for radio. I worked as a journalist, you know, and and then I wrote treatments for film companies and film production companies. Um, and then finally, my first novel was nominated as Best German Debut, Young Adult Fiction. And uh, I sold the film rights right away uh, before it came out. Um, and, and that changed my life. Like, and I was a full-time writer with my own stories. Yeah. Well, now that you've made it, um, <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to someone that's brand new, just writing and hasn't published anything, but they're writing stories? Yeah, I, I I was for very long in that situation, and um, make, if you keep writing and you you kind of you 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 uh, squeeze it between your schedule and your chores and all that stuff, that's a good sign that you love doing that. Um, just uh, I like me, I would say like, what do you need in life? You shouldn't renounce anything. You shouldn't see say like, okay, I really want to have a car, but uh, if I want to ride, then I, then I sell my car and I miss it every day, day dearly. It would hurt, right? Like you have to uh, answer the question for yourself, what do I need in life? And my thing, I did sell my car. I didn't buy any brand name clothes and I lived simple, but uh, very happy. And uh, I developed my craft because um, there is no college degree. And after that, you can... Uh, work full-time so um, for me it was really this like yeah I, I can work part-time and and live as long as I can write and I started doing readings right so you get the direct feedback um, and send your stuff out to magazines or to to blogs and and such to to see where you are and, and to grow your grow your craft you know to enjoy it then if you're not enjoying it don't write for money <laughs> it's like that will be a Wrong, yeah, wrong angle. Well, yeah, you'd be like Dave. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a right. He's a he's a whore. He's writing for money. Yes, that's yeah. it. Terrible. <laughs> Sell out. He sold out. Sell out. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible person. Awful. Yes. The thing Terrible. not to do is be like him. 
just to go to those expensive concerts like Well, well the eye, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's sitting right up front row looking at the new kids. He gets to go in the back room and and yeah. shake their hand and, and, uh, and Rick Astley and that and he's got and I performed on stage. Yeah. He's having yeah. a cocktail with Rick and, and yeah. before you know it he's he's you know he's a sellout. You know. Yeah, I, I saw him on TikTok with Rick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough to leave. Well it's so it, it's it's quite a business, but what do you think makes you know, a good book. Like, what is it? What is it you look for in a good book? Like, when you read something, is it is it the the, the way they write it? Is it the language, the grammar? Is it just the story, or what? What to you is like? Wow, this is a good book. Um, obviously, I I work right here in my second language, which is English. So, but it is the language. It definitely is the language uh, that draws me the most. So before I decide on reading a novel, if it's not for research, I basically, I read the first one or two pages and I know uh, if I can read this, you know, because often uh, the, the, the craft of, uh, of language and storytelling at least go for me hand in hand. Or if you want to compare it to filmmaking, you, you would watch a movie that doesn't have a good picture, but the audio is good versus you have a good picture, but you can hardly understand what the guys say. Uh, you wouldn't watch the movie to the end. Right. Well, sp speaking of that, you know, you uh, you worked with a translator um, yeah. uh, for for um, uh, the English version and such. Um, how was that? Did, did you have uh, hands-on, um, I, I guess, uh, uh, work with that person? Yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting. I mean... Uh, I have also this, like, again, like the, the, the screenplay or film background, what means, like, I, I, I'm not against working with other people. I also co-authored a couple of novels uh, with other writers. So for me, having a translator, especially you should never translate into your second language. You always should translate in your first language, I was told. And I wouldn't dare to translate, especially not to translate uh, into, into my second language. Um, uh, for me, it was great to find the right person and then also to say, like, you know, don't cling to try to find the 100% equivalent of the German expression. Feel yourself in there and, and go with what you would write. I gave a lot of freedom uh, to, to the translator. Right. Well, I think that's important. You know, I just did a, a book a while back on Fritz Harman. And uh, he was the butcher of Hanover. Oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. The twenties, and, and of course, all of the uh, police documents, the court documents, all of the uh, everything was in German, and all the letters, yeah. everything. So um, I went through just translation, and then there's a lot of sayings um, that are not common here that yeah. that were there. So they'll say things in a certain way that you're like, what 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 does he mean? You know, so I had to work with someone like a translator like that, a German that um, could tell me kind of what the slang was or what the, what was kind of going on. So it's 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 it's, it's pretty um, it's a little bit more complicated than than it looks. Yeah, it's challenging. I, can, I, I at the moment I read a lot of poetry and lyrics, you know, and I'm like, how do you translate poetry? I, I, yeah. <laughs> that that is for me. Yeah, I 
wow, it's, uh, but it works. And I mean, you can go for the content, right? Like, do you want to transport the content or the rhythm? But both, I would say, is almost impossible, right? right. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's, it, you have to be very careful in how to do it. But um, yeah. it's interesting. So your characters, how do you create your characters? And um, and I mean that, like, for for instance, in Growler, you had, like, John and the wife and, and the boy and stuff. So how do you yeah. how do you do it? And this is your own personal way of doing it. How is it that works for you? Yeah, I, uh, um, so, you know, with at this point, like with Growler, it was okay. I had this Growler idea of the, you know, and then, then I had the idea, okay, that happens for a gold mining camp. And then the next one, okay, who is going to be, who going to be there, you know, and then you go through the possibilities and, um, when I came to Canada for the first time as a, as a backpacker, I met on the Sunshine Coast uh, uh, two guys who were construction guys from Vancouver, and they were complaining. We, we shoot some pool and had beer, and they were complaining that I had to leave Vancouver for the job, like 500 kilometer or 300 north, uh, uh, to make some money, you know, and it's hard in Vancouver, and it's already a time time back, and uh and that always stuck with me because like they were like real guys and they were definitely not happy being away from the families. Right. So, and then I was like, okay, if one of those guys, you know, he doesn't find a job in construction and, but he somehow can land this job even in the Yukon in a gold mining camp. Right. Uh, and I thought like, well, you know, then he, you know, to save maybe even like the, the, the rent in Vancouver, which is outrageous now, yeah. uh, Maybe he, it's easier to fly the wife in and the young boy, right? And then all of a sudden you have this uh, added tension of like just not, let's say, 10 badly shaved smelling guys in a camp, but uh, uh, a, a wife and a young boy. And, and that extends the whole storytelling. So I, I, I really like that and uh, embrace that. Why didn't he just fly in the girlfriend, leave the wife at home? <laughs> that's what the other guy did yeah. <laughs> there's always one come on there's always one that does that well uh, but, but, well you know i asked this because i i've been in a non-fiction writing my whole life so i look at fiction writers and a lot of fiction writers over the years has to have told me that um you know they they feel their characters they see them they hear them and they they describe them as like family or friends or whatever they have mm -hmm. all this stuff what's that what's that for you like how do you describe that situation yeah it's uh it's very easy how i describe that it's like having when you when you let's say you go to university and then you do a year in a different country uh and that's how much the uh, each novel stays with me like you meet new people in a different environment, you you yourself might be a little different, right? Like uh, if if you guys now would go, let's say, to Barcelona for a year, and and study Spanish, and then you go back, right? Yeah. And you you know, and and but it, that is a memory that is like tattooed into your to every cell, I think, and that's pretty much each novel of mine how I feel about the characters and and the story. It's like as if I live, as if I've lived it. That's how it is. Wow. So each 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 book is like a process. It's like a, a it changes you then in a sense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh it's uh, a story I think it has to do with empathy like uh, if you're an avid reader 
they say like your, your your levels of empathy are bigger or you grow empathy by reading books because you 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 you, you want to help john you want to help the boy or you know ideally right if you're not a yeah. and uh and the same is like for me when i write it right like i i choked up at the end by the, at the final at the showdown you know i remember that day to the very day oh so when when Groller rips the boy apart <laughs> I don't want to tell you. I don't give anything away. Let me eat some. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. No. Yeah. We got to have a happy ending. Yeah. He, the boy rips the growler apart. No, the growler marries John's wife and, and adopts the boy. I see. I got some good ideas here. You, yeah, you, maybe you do some fan fiction. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, it's just crazy. You're a romantic, Al. I, I am. <laughs> the ripping apart the body during romance is yeah. the best. Um, <laughs> strange. Um, well, that's interesting then. Um, so how do you experience your characters? Yeah, at the time, it's. Um, uh, I, I can just tell you, like, for me, uh, if I write, let's say I, okay, I wrote this novel at a, at a paid, uh, writer's, uh, place in Denmark. So I was there a month, I prepared everything. I sat down and I wrote uh, the novel in the first draft. And, um, for me, so I had a lot of, I could spend a lot of time, like eight hours a day, uh, not doing anything else or 10 even. And, um, and then afterwards, it's also for me, it feels like I don't have to, experience anything it's not like oh i want to go bungee jumping or i need to do anything because i live as much uh through the characters or followed them around and uh and and smelled what they smelled and 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 felt what they felt uh, depending to who they talk and if there's tension and i can i i would say like you know people say well what is real maybe we, we we're while we're dreaming, that's reality, and and what we're talking now here is a dream. I don't want to go that far, but yeah. it's well, it is up there. Dave and I do not exist. You're talking to <laughs> yourself. Exactly, <laughs> it's on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, you have uh, you said that with with your stories that you kind of develop them maybe in your mind first and make sure that you have a viable book. But I'm, I'm just wondering, have, have your characters done anything to surprise you? Have they rebelled against the plot that you've kind of uh, plotted out? <laughs> or do you feel very much in control? Um, um, I feel in control, uh, yet they surprise me. But that has to do, like, if I... Um, let's, okay, let's talk about the plot, okay? The plotting itself. Yes, I know a rough plot idea. Does it mean I write 40 pages of treatment, step treatment? Oh, not at all. Every novel I wrote, when I started writing it, I just have one page, letter-sized page with a timeline on there, and I write uh, what happens where as open as possible. Let's say in one novel, I always take that as an example, uh, um, uh, the two the the two kids steal a car. No, that's all there is. I don't know. It was at a gas station. I don't know. If it was a BMW or how they stole it. You know. So there is a. Once I start writing, there's still a lot of freedom when I write for for the for the characters to to. And that is for me the most important part. 
every time I step basically uh, mentally into a scene for the first time through the eyes of the protagonist, that is for me the most important uh, moment. So, so only then I can guarantee there is authentic reaction or action. It sounds like you you live out the parts. It seems, it seems to me like you uh, you you uh, do you hear voices too or <laughs> <laughs> my own voice. I I I from the let's say fourteen novels that I wrote, I I. Uh, dictated 10 of them at least like I work with a speech recognition program yeah. so I, I hear the sound and the melody uh, of, of the and, and the, mm. the of the words and the sentences at the same time that doesn't mean I, I can write faster because I still think a lot but it, there is a process of like yeah I, I I'm definitely alone and I'm so much in there that I speak out loudly the dialogues yes yeah you drink a lot <laughs> Not when I'm writing. <laughs> that was an experiment I did, like uh, because I discovered Charles Bukowski and and those Beat Generation guys. And uh, the first mistake I did was uh, thinking that uh, German beer is the same strength as uh, American beer, oh. <laughs> and that the bottles have the same size. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and then I figured, okay, this is not how this works. And actually, I uh, uh, if. I never drink more, let's say, than a glass of wine. So, right drunk and second... sober. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a lot of editing. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, so that word doesn't, uh, gladly it doesn't work for me. <laughs> well, with so many books written, have you noticed any motifs, any recurrent themes in your work? And if so, have they come out uh, deliberately or is it something that's unconscious? That's a good question um, that actually my readers answered to me while I went on reading tours. Uh, there was a question that uh, I noticed that comes uh, where they found out, it's like, do you like writing in in tight environments? Hmm. I was like, what do you mean? You know, oh, well, the one story is a road movie in a car. Then uh, the other novel takes place in a remote gold mining camp. Hmm the next one under a derailed train. <laughs> so, and I was, yeah, I think that's, that's the, the commonality, actually. That is the biggest commonality between all my, my stories, that I, I kind of craft or mold this tight space, and then I try my elbows or something. <laughs> wow. In your, in your process of writing, um, you were talking about how you just sat down and wrote that last novel, that the Grohler one. Um, so can you just turn it on? Can you just sort of sit down and go, oh, okay, I'm going to write now and do it? Or is there other things you have to do? Hey, um, it sounds boring, but I like a routine. I like to know that tomorrow at 7 in the morning I can start writing. What means today I would not write myself what I call, I write myself empty. You know, let's say I finish a chapter and I have just a very vague idea how it goes on tomorrow. I like to stop writing where I exactly know the next couple of pages. And I mean, very, very, very sure, like how this uh, plays out. And in combination of, okay, tomorrow at seven or tomorrow at 10, I sit down for four hours and I can write. Wow. Uh, so just, just the emotional part in your life, um, affect that, you know. So if there's someone screaming at you, or you get 
um, if, if there's things, tension going on, does that bother you or can you still write? You see, I th it's, uh, that's a, one of the best questions uh, that I ever got, I think. Um, uh, no, uh, because like I think that affects me when I'm not writing because then reality bothers me while if I write my own reality, my fiction, um, pretty much, you know, not a big personal catastrophe, of course not, but other things don't, don't matter really to me. Wow. So, so when the COVID's going on and you're locked in your house and there's all these people going around protesting and, and, and all the weird stuff that goes on, uh, it, it, you can still sit there and write and it doesn't, you don't even, it doesn't even phase you really. Yeah, no, it was more the the people that walked around in the house here, my kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I uh, for years I I tried to find a ri affordable writing space, and gladly last year I found it, and I have a little shared studio space where the other artists and me uh, we do a little schedule month by month, and I know that I can go there. For example, today after. After we finish our our nice chat, uh, I pack in and I will go there and work. Wow, wow, that's pretty disciplined. So, uh, did, have you ever written something and you you decided that you didn't want to publish it because you didn't like it? I think the classic would be my first novel, although uh, it's really fresh. It was a horror novel, and um, um, I had the chance to get the hands on a big old key of a of an old Polish farmhouse in the south southern Poland and I drove out there and there was no running water and no electricity and I could just ride even by candlelight but you know and I, I finished it and uh, the process made me utterly happy uh, but a month later or half a year later I was like yeah this is not not on the level I want to be you know so this one never got published and I'm not crying a tear <laughs> about yeah. it yeah sounds like you're writing in lethbridge <laughs> no power dark <laughs> yeah candle you know yeah. <laughs> sounds, yeah. sounds like lethbridge yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's terrible i'm i'm terrible. <laughs> well so are you going to continue to write horror or are you going to expand and go into um something completely different or do you think this is where yeah. you're set yeah uh <laughs> so yeah we just uh, with Lethbridge like that is uh, for, for me the biggest uh, thing is really now having the studio that's something I've never had right and that opens so many options and uh, so I think that wouldn't be even possible in Calgary or Vancouver because oh, it's yeah. so expensive yeah, right so right. that is yeah. for me personally as an artist Lethbridge has that edge right like where it's like oh that is possible I embrace that for the for the for as it is with what uh, um, I'm currently finishing a novel, uh, last edits, uh, um, Suicide Hotel, it was a, is a dystopian novel. I got a literary arts grant by the Alberta Foundation for the Arts. So that carried me over a whole year and that was wonderful. And, um, and I'm looking forward already because I'm in the planning phase of the next novel that will also take place uh, 
in uh, Alberta. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the dystopian novel even uh, features Lethbridge, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> well, is, that the, is that the surviving oh. town? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like I didn't have to change much, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah the gas station went down. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then there is something that happened, because I mentioned Poland, that's why I bring it up now again, because uh, something happened with dreams in Poland, with the uh, theme of dreaming. And that always stayed with me on a personal level. And um, that will be my next novel uh, will be about dreams, like in a, in a wider sense. But it, it won't be a horror novel uh, as Grola is. It might be more like psychological. Right, right. So I, but I'm just flashing those things up. Yeah, you kind of have to work them out. Um, when have you have you ever gone back to any of your books and decided, oh God, and would you like to rewrite them and that? Have you do you do that sort of thing or not? No, I, I think that would be that first novel, right? Where I was like, I think that is uh, Fubar, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a couple of years in. Um, as as much as I like the the idea and and of course this unbelievable memory of a young guy, like I don't know, twenty four I was maybe. Uh, driving to Poland to live alone for three, four weeks or whatever in a, in a, in a abandoned farmhouse, uh, writing a novel, uh, has, is a own story. I think that sounds like, like a I'm, horror story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be. I think actually since then I say, I don't want to live alone on an Island anymore. Right. Like, so, <laughs> uh, but that has to do with the dreams. Right. And so I'd like to tackle that as a next one, because that is also a field that is, kind of, you know, I feel like a little bit abandoned by fiction writers. And uh, in nonfiction, it often goes into like two esoteric terms. So, yeah, yeah. that's my next. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's one of those. It, it, it can be a fascinating direction, I think, to go in, you know, but uh, we'll see what happens. So now how do people find you? Like um, Lethbridge, there's only two houses, so we... <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> no. So, how, do you have a website? Do you have like uh, social media that you like to hang out in and and talk to people, or do you do any of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. No, I I like that. That that was basically the same reason before, way before I was even published. Like five years before I was published, I went to like I just asked literally at one in the morning. The bars are open still in Germany. So, and then the last 10 bar flies and I got up and say, Hey, you guys want to hear a couple of poems, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much the same reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and so the same way I embrace uh, the, 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 the social media or the modern times where this is more or less easier if you want. So you have a buffer in between. So under my name, like written in one word, Thorsten Nash, uh, I have the homepage, uh, and you find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and sometimes on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> wow. So you're on TikTok. Do you have a growler with you, and you do, do you like a dance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TikTok is funny. I, I kind of now uh, f f try to figure out where that fits the best. Uh, I get some of my best reactions there for some reason. Um, maybe because of this short video format that they have. Uh, but I like to do video and filmmaking and photography as well. So 
at the moment I kind of experiment around, but uh, I'll check in that. Right, right. Of course, we'll have everything up on the website so people can find you with one click and they can, you know, go watch you on TikTok and stuff, you know. <laughs> do, do the reactions matter in the sense of, or you know, because this is a pretty modern world now, so uh, people can find you pretty easily and they can say things about you and about your writing or about things. Do you like having that interaction or does it, is it kind of weird for you or how do you react? If it, yeah, no, if it's a genuine, um, I had a, a, a close, what is it? A close, uh, science fiction novel published in Germany. And there were things in there where I did research into, uh, drones called the drone pilot. And it's currently now it's a mandatory read. If you in language arts in Germany, if you want to finish high school in German and in English, it's 1984. So, uh, and the, yeah, and the first review was like, oh, wait, 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 this is pretty nonsense here with that, what he calls, a, I called it a buffle, a, 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 like a like a steer or something in, in my novel. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, thanks for mentioning that. And then I send and say that if in case you don't find that, like, believable, here's a link to Lockheed because they have that developed already. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he he said, "I'm so sorry. I really didn't know. I should do my homework better. Uh, thank you so much. You know, and that is a genuine. I wasn't upset that he didn't do the research. I mean, he reviews books like by tons, right? So, and he took it the right way. And then that is okay. I mean, insults never happened so far, at least not about my my books. Well, uh, let's get that uh, happening, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do I hear typing right now? Yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> your keyboard? Yeah. <laughs> He's looking for a little bit of uh, criticism here, a little bit of nasty <laughs> insults here. <laughs> no. I, 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 you know, it's just, it's sort of, uh, it, it, and, you know, you won that, um, you were nominated up there, right? You one of your first books, right? Does that put pressure on you to, to have to perform a certain level then? Um. Like, do you think you know, about it? It is really, it is really about uh, writing is so personal for me that uh, it relates back to this, like, this is a different entity. I also don't think about who will read my book. Uh, and by not doing so, I'm surprised every time that my books are read from young to old and from different uh, backgrounds and jobs and uh, financial uh, yeah, status or whatever, and 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 the most I'm surprised when people then say, yeah, I read five of your books or eight or all of them, and I'm like, wow, you know, I can't even imagine, and uh, <laughs> but you know, because yeah, and 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 because they are so different, so there is not this, there's not the Thorsten tone, right? Like Stephen King has a certain tone when he hmm. uh, uh, has a novel. And for me, it's uh, it's very, very uh, personal to the protagonist. You know, if I have a 15-year-old, you know, that uh, comes from a blue-collar background, he talks different already than a 17-year-old where the older brother uh, listens to, to political comedy 10 hours a day. He gets a different vocabulary right away. And, and if, you know, just to make an example. And uh, so if somebody says, I, I read all your novels, I enjoyed them, I, I literally ask, how, why, how does this happen? And, yeah. <laughs> and the, the commonality is like, uh, what they then say, it's like, yeah, you don't write too much. You just write what has to be written. I'm not bored, you know, and that is like, yeah, then I did my job, you know, as I like 
to write, I like to read, right? Yeah. Yeah, I get the same kind of response on my writing, but that's because my books are usually left in the bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) The best place to read. All sorts of people, all sorts of walks of life know what I've written. (laughs) 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 Well, it's it's a really interesting um, story and idea and everything. I just... um, Maybe uh, Growler should be a series. That's you know, that's my. Thing. I, you know, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, that, that's the thing that publishing houses uh, always like. They were like, "Well, of course, write a second part to this or to that," and I'm like, "Well, I'm not saying no, but I need that best idea. It has to better. The idea has to be better than all the others I have, right?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's got to be hard to write sequels in a sense, like even book two, book three, and and start doing a series on something like that because, you know, um, especially if you have a great idea on the first one and it goes really well to try and – because people compare that, right? Yeah, yeah. So – no, where I can see it, it's like I mean, this the Grola is uh, one is, is available as audiobook as well over Audible. And wonderful, really, narrated by Chuck Well, the former Chicago radio host. And that was way more interesting for me to see that happening and to work with Chuck and uh, then, then trying to come up with a second idea, right? And uh, for me, it would be, again, not because it's film, but I, I see this also as a feature film. It's, it's absolute doable and uh, I think would be a great, great... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Addition to the horror jar. Yeah. Who's going to play Roller? <laughs> you you and Dave. No. Yeah, yeah, Dave, <laughs> Dave's got his little karate moves. He can be Roller. <laughs> Kung Groller. He can be like the guy running around with a little headband on and, and chopping down things, you know. <laughs> well, this has been really interesting, and we're really glad you uh, took the time to come on the show. Um our guest today has been the author of uh, Growler, and uh, that's uh, Thorsten Nesh. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks, Thorsten. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.